Greetings. I am your double E, Ina Esco, the host of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 42, which this is my very first live show held at my alma mater, Lamorno in college. They just experienced their homecoming for the year. And I wanted to do something with the students to talk about social media, music and voting. And I had some wonderful panelists I had Pastor Earl Fisher, Tammy Sawyer, Devin Steele, Michael Mosby, Mr. and Miss Lemoyne, Fred Jones, and Natalie Perham. And we had a really good time with the students engaging with them and really talking about topics that matter to Generation Z. Our world is changing. Take a listen to episode 42 of Verbally Effective Podcast Live at Lemoyne Owen College. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Verbally Effective Podcast live show. Thank you all for coming. How's everybody doing? Y'all good? Yes, yes, Lamorno at homecoming. Just a little bit about me. I am your host, Ina Esco. I used to be in this little theater hosting stuff all the time. Um, I'm an AKA. Um, I play volleyball here. I had a lovely experience here at Lamorne. I'm a former Miss Lamorne on 2000. Yes. Look, Natalie, let's do our wave. Okay, so um, I started this podcast called Verbally Effective in January. We talk about a lot of topics on the podcast. It's an interview. Y'all come on in, sit down. Come on. Y'all come on in. Have a seat. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about the podcast. Um, This is a weekly podcast with a guest that I have. And the topics intersect art, culture, entertainment, politics, and we shine the light on the Mid-South. So everybody that I meet with is from the Mid-South area. And um, I'm in 40 episodes right now. So I said, yes. So I said, What's, what better to do my first live show at my alma mater, Lamorno and College, with the students? Because I want to talk to you guys about a lot of topics that affect your generation. So the main topics that we're discussing today are social media. Everybody in here use social media? Yes, it's a part of our everyday lives. Um, we're going to talk about music. Everybody like music, right? Yeah. And voting. Are you all voting? Yeah. Okay, we got the midterm elections coming up. So let me get into my panelists over here. We're going to start right here with Mr. Lamorne, Fred Jones. Let's give him a round of applause. How you doing? I heard y'all had coronation. We was did. that last night? We did. Yes, ma'am, it was. Okay, so... You all are newly crowned. We are. We are. How you feel? I feel great. I feel elated. You know, uh, um, it's just a good feeling. That's all I'll say. I understand. Thank you, Fred. Okay, so uh, we also have Miss Lemoyne, Natalie Perman. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing? Fine, and yourself? I'm lovely, Soror. <laughs> How do you feel with your crown on? Oh, it's it's really really nice to have something that belongs to me now because I used to okay. borrow a crown. Yes. <laughs> really? Okay, so that's yours, the bling. Yes, this is mine. The bling. Yes. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, so we have Earl Fisher. He's the senior pastor at Abyssinian Baptist Church and a major activist in the city of Memphis. How are you, Earl? I'm good, Sister Ina. What up? Thank you for having us. Glad to be back at my alma mater, Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Me and Earl used to run the yard. Yeah, true that. So shout out to the bloody Beta Zai chapter of okay. Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted, Earl. All right now. Okay, now you know, you get a little long-winded, so when I go like that, you know. Duly noted. Pastor, pastor. 
Okay, up next Reclaiming week. my time. See how he do, y'all. <laughs> okay. Soon to be Dr. Fisher. Facts. Yes, you got that dissertation done. The dissertation done. Okay. Oh, so many good things with the alma mater in Lemoyne. I'm so proud. Okay, so up next we have my soror, Tammy Sawyer, newly elected Shelby County Commissioner. Hi, Tammy. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. How do you feel? You know, you knocked those statues down in the city, and, you know, you started a, a buzz in Memphis. How are you? I'm good. Working hard. Yes. Running everywhere, but good. Okay. It's a good feeling to be making change and impact in Memphis, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Up next, we have one of my good friends, actually my boss at the radio station <laughs> with iHeartMedia. But guess what? When I was active with AKA on the yard, he used to DJ our parties, Mr. Devin yep. Steele, hey. Senior Vice President of Programming for the Memphis and Nashville area with iHeartMedia. How are you, D? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I love to skip work to be here to support you, son. I know, right? We got a <laughs> lot to talk about with music, right? We do. We do, and it's good to be here, and I'm proud of what you're doing. I think it's awesome, so Thank congratulations. You, for, Thank you, Thank you. That feel good coming from my boss, right? For embracing, for embracing the technology and, and taking it to the next level. So. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, up next, our last panelist is my good friend. He has... Uh, a big, big nonprofit, a big raising the bar community, Mr. Michael Mosby. He's also a musician as well. What's up, Mike? What's up? You ready to run your mouth? No. But y'all, he is I'm so talkative. He looking like really nervous over there. Don't be nervous. I'm very nervous, very nervous. Stop it, Mike. He's just playing. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. And um, just a few preliminaries before we go. You all can ask a question. So I'll go ahead and get started with the panelists, but you all can be engaged, put your input in. The mics are up here. If you don't want to get on the microphone, we are doing live tweeting right now, and the hashtag is hashtag VE Live Show. So V as in Victor, E Live Show, if you guys want to ask a question, okay? So let's begin. The first topic is social media. You know, we love social media. We wake up, we on our phone, like, who hit me up on Facebook? Who liked the picture? You know, all of that good stuff. But I first want to start with Mr. and Ms. Lemoyne to talk about your platforms. You all are newly crowned, you know, college royalty. So how do you all utilize your platforms and make an impact on campus here? Thank you for that question. Um, so my platform initiative is Let's Make Magic. Magic stands for making a genuine impact collectively. Um, like thank you all so much. <laughs> but um, the way I use it on social media is I understand that there's a big, um, there's a big, um, uh, there's, there's a lot of division that's going on on social media, also on our campus, you know. And uh, my platform initiative was going to be the very thing to rectify that, right? So uh, I found out coming here to Lemoyne and just being here in Memphis, there's a lot of people who take high seats but don't do anything. Mm in those seats, you know. Okay. I say it all the time that, you know, in order to get the title to your car, you have to make payments. We have leaders who have titles that, but haven't made any payments, you know, and that's a, that's a serious issue. So my platform deep. initiative <laughs> this was going to rectify. My platform initiative was going to rectify that. So on social media, what I do is I share positive content. I just try to do things so, you know, just, just keep the bond strong. So that's just a little bit. Awesome. Magic. That's your... Magic. Let's, make, let's make magic. Let's make magic. I like that. I like that. Okay, Miss Lemoyne, how do you utilize your platform? 
Thank you for that question. So my platform is quality, and I want uh, every student to s tell themselves that they are quality, and for the faculty and staff to push it out and tell their students that they are quality. And it's just just unifying and, mo and motivating each other. You know, just letting them know who they are and you know their worth, and just knowing that. So I use I do that on, on social media by just posting positive things and going to. Um, middle schools and talking to young ladies and how to be queens and princesses and stuff like that. So that's what I push out on social media. So is that the main thing that you use your social media for is your platform? It's no personal really, it's just a platform. Personal, but I try to be careful what I what I post. Right. You always, you never know who's watching. So right, because they watch. They are. <laughs> it's mentor, they're watching. Okay. Well, I'm a little different, so okay. I, I don't mainly do it for my platform. But if I see something funny on Facebook, I'm gonna share it. You know, <laughs> it's just that's just it's just straight up. But um, you know, I just feel like it's just a it's just a place where you can be yourself. Really, you know, a lot of times people they want to put these. Uh, restrictions on you but I feel like Facebook is just that place where you can just you should be able to post you know what's on your mind and clear your thoughts and just clear the air you know do you do you two feel any pressure that you're crowned now for for Mr. and Miss Lemoyne to not get so personal I do you do yes uh, I, again you never know who is looking on your social media after April we have to, you know, go out in the real world and, you know, try to get jobs and stuff like that. So you never know who's watching you. So I'm always trying to be careful what I post. That's always. a great point about social media. I can tell you as somebody who hires and fires people. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, no, real talk. I mean, there's a, it, people who are undergrad in here are people who are in the job field. The first thing, that, first thing that I look at is you can put what you want to on paper. It's so easy to say what you want to on a resume these days. But social media, so much. The first thing I do is go to somebody's Facebook page. You really want to see, so it's kind of a gift and a curse, like you said. You're using it for the right, for the right reason, but there's so many people on social media that use it to not be themselves, you know, and that's kind of the, the gift and the curse and the double-edged sword with social media, but you have to think about that down the line when you are putting out applications. It's something that you know, we've seen it all in media. We've seen it in politics over the last, you know, few years, few months, you know, mostly something that you say can come back and get you, so, you know, something to think about. Definitely. And just to piggyback on what Devin said, um, you often hear the word influencer, right? I'm an influencer. What, I mean, what are, what are you, in influence, you influencing people to do what, though? Are you influencing people to, you know, be beautiful but not natural? Are you influencing people to, you know, attain cars and materialistic things but you're not happy? You know, what do you all think about the term influencer? I think it's descriptive of what you just said, that it could be positive or negative. I want to take a moment to salute the Royal Court of Lamar. Yes, for real. yes. let's give them a round of Thank applause. You, yeah. um, to, to see people already engaged in positive influence and committed to that, conscious of what it means to be somebody who's out in the public eye and therefore by default able to influence people either positively or negatively, but being conscious enough of what it is you put out trying to be true to yourself, but still trying to make sure that what you're putting out is something positive to the point that Devin was making. I think all of us have to be mindful of that because all of us influence somebody. And so some of us have a more public platform than others, but then too, you never know how your platform may increase. I mean, I think about, I was at this mug, and we was here, you graduated 2000, I graduated 2001. 2000, I graduated 2003. 
I'm clearly a lot more mature, a lot more polished, a lot more informed and engaged, not only since I've been here, but because I was here at this institution. And so now I think about, to what my sister was saying, the burden of that responsibility, knowing that what I say and what I do has a particular type of influence. And I'm very cognizant of how I'm dressing in certain places. There's a reason I don't wear a bunch of shirts and ties because I know that the stigma that's associated with black male preachers particularly yes, it is. is one of respectability as opposed to being one with the people. So I'm always trying to present myself in a way where people understand that I'm one of them because I understand I got those things. Ms. Mentor made me do it. No, no, Ms. it's Mentor. It, well, let, well, let's be very clear <laughs> b b because she was doing that. She was doing that back in 2000 and well before too, right? And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's a space for that. I'm not saying that I don't wear a shirt and tie. You know, I, I, I can pop that too, you know, but, but, but. You want with the people. Yeah. So on average, you know, I'm going to be dressed a lot more um, informal, a lot more casual. But that's because, again, to your point, in certain spaces and in certain places, you've got to be mindful of the impact that you make and the image that you're putting out. I'm not one to always go around talking about branding and stuff because I'm more about my authentic image. So even people who see me now, that know I'm different than I was at LeMoyne, like a lot more polished and stuff yes, like that. Yes, you are. Still say, though, still say, but that's the same. That's a good thing, though. Yeah, that, that's the same guy, you know, right. in terms of my authenticity. I'll just jump in on the social media okay. part. So for me, I grew up with social media. I feel like as a like in my early 20s that that's when social media really started to pop. So I was in college and then I was in grad school. I was living in D.C. Ciroc had just come out. Like we were <laughs> all over the gram with bottles, right? Like Instagram started when I was in my mid-20s. And so it was nothing but a party on social media. Like you can't find it on my social media now <laughs> because when I got serious, when a shift happened internally for me, when I got serious about life, when I tell y'all how long it took me to clean up my social media, I tell people all the time, just don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, and one of the reasons I had to clean up my social media is because I didn't want folks to be able to use that one picture of me popping bottles that one night as a deterrent. Like, oh, she talking about statues, but look, you know, she was a Ciroc girl. Like, you know, and you don't want those <laughs> things, but you just don't. And, you know, like you said, people knew me in my 20s, but they see the same person. Inside, I'm the same person. I'm talking about different things because we all grew up, we all matured, the world changed. But what I had to go through to clean up my social media to make sure that people who didn't want me to be a voice for our community would have been able to use against me, I would not want anyone to do. And I'll just say really quickly, earlier this year for Black History Month, an eighth grader in middle school hit me up on Instagram and invited me to speak at her school for their first ever Black History Month. This was an eighth grader. And she still follows me and comments on my posts and just thinking about the fact that there's 12 and 13 and 14 year olds who look up to me or who wanna hear what I'm talking about, who are influenced because they've seen my transition into natural hair, because they see, you know, me posting Fannie Lou Hamer and, you know, other great black women and, you know, Maxine Waters and all of these other things and I can influence them in that way. I'm very cognizant of what I put out. Wow, you know what, when you said you had to clean up your social media, it kind of made me think about what's going on in politics right now and just in the social space where they're pulling up a lot of old things on anybody, on anybody. It's like, you know, the internet is kind of like no barred. Yeah. 
nobody. Mike, Mike Mosby, what's your social uh, media engagement looking like? <laughs> man, my social media is interesting. Uh, being a community leader, I didn't realize how many people be watching me. I didn't realize how many politics watching me. I didn't realize how many pastors be watching. And uh, I got a good friend, TJ. Every time I post something, she always come, either coming on or text me like, boy, take that stuff down. Because she's public relations. She's going to yeah, get on like, her friend. So what I realized is, like, even though I guess I consider myself gifted, your gift can take you where your character can't keep you. So, like... The gift of Mike Mosby, raising the bar, the musician, doing all this other stuff, you know. But if I, like, don't watch my character, you know what I'm saying, on social media, I can, like, ruin some opportunities. I almost had opportunities lost just the other day. Uh, wow, post, tell uh, us what happened. I posted, <laughs> I posted about the sloth stuff that happened, right? Oh, okay. So uh, it's, a, it's a change in the school. So I posted about it, and... Uh, TJ hit me, he was like, you got to take that down, whatever. And I'm like, I ain't taking that down. They got me <laughs> messed up, you know, whatever. And uh, the, I'm a coach football, too, so I'm a football coach. And uh, the, the director of the sports came to me, he was like, bro, you got to watch your social media. I watch everything you post. And I was like, man, golly. So they were going to uh, flag me for something that I posted. But I took it down. I took it down. I definitely took it down. But I didn't realize. I was mad, you know. And sometimes I'm anti-do the right thing <laughs> at times. But uh, thankfully, I got accountability like TJ, you know what I'm saying? You're official, too. Like, you be like, watch yourself, folks. I'll be like, all right. Oh, you be wilding out on social media sometimes. You need a little help. <laughs> Look at Earl. <laughs> okay, so that's wrapping up social media conversation right now. Oh, you have a question? Come on. To Mr. Steele, come on to the mic. Come on, sister, say your name. Oh, my name is Kamika. I'm a freshman here. But so my question to you is: Do you let their social media platform define the characteristic of them before even meeting them? Like, no, absolutely not. I'm just was using that for example from a tool. Like, I'll give you a good example. Like my social media, for example. Let's take my Instagram. Like, if you look at my Instagram, I, I I'm a I'm a firm believer in the 60 second rule. Like. Before you say something, sometimes, Mike, you got to take a deep breath and give yourself 60 seconds and take your hands off the keyboard before you type, before you hit go, before you hit post. Um, but, for example, my Instagram, I have everything from, you know, I show you only a portion of what I want to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie this back in in a second. I, I may be cooking dinner. It may be something with my kids. It may be I promote myself as a brand for my radio show and I manage other social media accounts, several different radio stations and other things. So... It's very easy to get caught up and get emotional when you are on your social media and whatever when you use it for. But when you use that as a tool, you have to keep in mind that it's a tool. It's only someone at that exact moment of what they thought of themselves. It doesn't define that person. So, but it's also a conversation piece. If, for example, you're applying for a job and you put your Instagram, uh, you're so your Facebook, and I go on there, and the first thing. The first six pages are nothing but profanity and pictures of, of, of crazy pictures and crazy stuff going on. I'm a very open-minded person. I think as a, as a boss, a person that makes decisions, I think you have to, you know, that's something that I would ask you about if I interviewed you and say, hey, just out of curiosity, like your Facebook page, you know, tell me about your Facebook page. And that would be very, you know, I wouldn't be, be very subjective about it just to see what you said about your Facebook page or why you post those kinds of things on your Facebook page. Because at the same time, in my business, what I do here, what I do at the red light, what I do when I walk in Kroger, what I do on the radio, it's all 
intertwined together. If something happens and I'm out, believe me, it'll be in the paper. You see what I'm saying? Just if I were to do the same thing on, on, on the radio as well, too. So you always have that microscope on you when you're in the media business. Now, even more, it's not just the media business. It's the digital media business. It's the social media business as well. So absolutely not. Don't, def don't define anybody about what they have on their social media, but definitely would ask those questions about you know, their, character, you know, their character and what they posted on there. Does that make sense? Okay. Can, can I piggyback a little bit? I, I think this gives us a wonderful opportunity to try to reflect on what the function of a social media page could be. Because even if that's not who someone is, it's at the very least a reflection of some values, right? Like there's certain things, I think all of us would say, there's certain things that we don't want associated with us because it doesn't represent our values. That doesn't mean people can't have a good time, pop bottles, right, kick it and all this stuff. But at some point, you decide how you want to be represented. And my concern for us collectively is how we use social media as a vehicle to get attention that we don't get in real time or with real touch. So sometimes we do these things longing for likes, retweets, you know, comments and stuff like that. And so we do that seeking affirmation. And then it could come back and haunt us where I think if we are more healthy in our engagement, social media, before it became social media, if I'm not mistaken, stuff like Facebook was called social networking sites. Oh, dear, I remember that. Which the function of them was to get people connected to people right. that they could not physically see right. with the potential of possibly landing some job opportunities and things mm -hmm. of that nature, right? And of course, this morphs and, you know, all, all kind of um, entities take on a life of their own. That ain't it, Shay? Y'all should... It was a dating site. Oh, the hookup sites. But they were called, correct me if I'm wrong. You but mean they were my old MySpace page was? <laughs> MySpace? They, they were called <laughs> social networking. So, so These students don't know anything about MySpace. Yeah. I'm, oh, yes, we do. Y'all do? Yes. Yeah. Wait a minute. Because I'm sure enough not saying, I can tell y'all this. When I was here, college club. College Club, right? Black Planet. Well, we Planet. were here. I remember Black, Black Planet, Planet MySpace. Yeah. And so I know they were used as dating sites cute. because... Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's new. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Well, we, we do... So all of that is... Thank you for that clarification. At the same time, we know people have used these things for different functions, even when I was. So yeah, before we would travel to play Fort Valley, I'd be scouring sister's Fort Valley page to see who I was going to try to connect with. When you I got trolling. You was trolling. You was trolling. I was trolling. You was trolling. Trolling means That's I'm sending something out there like, hey, what's up? I went in no DMs because no. they didn't call them, them at, them now at the time. Now you just, what, y'all changed y'all's tender location yeah. now, right? Yeah. You go to Atlanta, y'all, who changed their tender location when they travel? I, oh. See there? So <laughs> yeah. It'll be on Tinder. We, we've, we've done all of those things with them. I'm saying all of that to say, even as we are longing to get certain types of affirmation and certain types of attention, we should be clear about how this communicates certain things that we value okay. potentially. Thank you. We're going to have our last words on social media with Mr. Lemoyne, Fred Jones. So concerning affirmation, I love what you just said. Um, I believe that that's kind of the danger of social media when you think about it. Because uh, last year during my senior capstone, I did it on the title, A Message for a Message, because I'm a mass communication major. And what I found out was there's this chemical called dopamine. Uh -huh. 
And um, dopamine is that chemical that it, it activates when you want to receive something. You understand? Like when you get a text, when you text somebody and they text you back and you get gratified because they text you back, that's dopamine, right? So everyone wants a hit of dopamine. That's why when you post statuses or post a picture and you check back an hour later, it only has like 15 likes, you would delete it because, you know, it ain't popping. So I think the danger of it is affirmation. You know, I feel like you should use social media just, just, just for, just for, just being authentic. Don't, don't do it for, you know, likes. And if you ask me, I think that's the new drug of this generation. Is likes, I agree. You know. I agree. With what Tammy? What Tammy? It's not the new drug. I was just gonna say, <laughs> dopamine. Keep, keep talking. Keep talking, brother. We, we hear you. We do hear him. We do hear him. Okay, social media topic is wrapped up. And right now, since we are closing out on social media, what we're going to do is a quick social media break. This is a chance for you guys to use the hashtag on Twitter if you would like and ask a question. But I really would love if you all could move up to the front. Is that asking too much? Okay, please. Come on, DJ King. All right, come through, panelists, come through. This is a juicy one right here. It's a juicy one. Oh, you all going to have so many questions. You all going to get on that mic and ask them questions. Okay, so let's talk about voting. Voting, such, such a hot topic right now, right? So we got the midterm elections coming up. And as you can see, we're 45 in office. You know, there's been a lot of drama lately. A lot of drama. I don't know if you all are Democrat or Republican, but we see what's going on every day. And um, just thinking about the local election here in Tennessee, which a lot of you, you know, will be voting uh, that first Tuesday in November. We got a lot of referendums on the table. We have a lot going on in the city right now. So I want to kind of kick off the voting topic with Earl and Tammy. And can you all just kind of speak to some of the major issues and things on the table that we need to pay attention to, especially Generation Z. Thank you. This is a great topic. Shout out to Vote Mob. And now it's Vote Mob. Vote Mob in the building. Um, so it's an exciting time, right, to be involved in politics. And you don't have to be a politician to be involved in politics. I think that's one thing to definitely know, um, that people of all generations are moving the needle. Gen Z is actually one of the most powerful voices out there yes. right now. Um, I tell folks that all the time, that millennials this, millennials that, I'm a millennial, but Gen Z, I'm afraid of y'all because when, <laughs> when y'all get ready to run for office, when y'all hit 25, we better uh, be doing right or out the way, okay? And so, and, and that's real. Um, what's important here in Memphis is uh, we have to get out to vote. So how many of y'all are registered? I better see every hand in the air, all right? And so, how many of you who are registered have voted already? Now this, we need to make sure by November 6th is everyone in the room. It's so easy. Uh, we had a millennial voting day yesterday and it took me like five minutes to do the whole ballot, right? Um, this is an important election. One thing to know about Memphis and our demographics is our state primaries tend to be our generals. Um, so like the August election where I got elected and where Lee Harris got elected to mayor, that was big for our city, right? Um, that's when most of the Democrats were on the ballot, that's when most of the black people were on the ballot. But this race in November matters too. This is what people will use to earmark what movement, what, what role
role Shelby County and Memphis will play in the political movement in, 19, in 2019 and in 2020. So we have to show up and be counted, even if you're not you know, sure, do you love the candidates for governor, do you love the candidates for senator, just go and vote, and be, but be counted, because 2019 is gonna be big, and 2020 is when we have a chance to hopefully get a new president in office, right? And what people will decide about the power of our city and the power of our county is how we show up now in these midterms. That's what's important for us to understand. And there's a lot of attention on Memphis. We are poised for economic growth. We have been one of the, um, we've been rapidly declining. As for, instead of growing um, in economic opportunity, we, our economic opportunity has been regressing. And so that's not good for y'all, right? About to graduate college, want to, you know, hopefully stay around your family and get a job here. We don't want talented black folks like you to have to go to Atlanta or Chicago or D.C. to make money, to have families, to thrive. We want you to be able to do that at home, right? And so we have to make that change. And so I think one good way is to be invested in politics. Um, and I'll let Earl kick it off with the rest. Well, uh, amen to what Commissioner Tammy Sawyer said. Uh, it's good to have a ally like that in an elected office like that. That has not always been the case. In fact, one of the things that got some of us more involved with what's going on from an electoral standpoint is us trying to organize people in the community around justice issues, constantly running into people who make and pass laws and appoint people and appropriate money that did not have our community's best interest at heart. So it makes it easier for us to respond to police brutality if some of the people in office who have control over police oversight are people who see it from our perspective. So that's one of the reasons we had to get involved. And I've had scores of conversations with all manner of students here at Lamont all around the community on behalf of Up the Vote 901. And one of the things that we've heard people say is something that I know people feel deeply about, and that is that their vote does not count. So, so first thing we train our people to do is say, I hear you. Like, if you look around, irrespective of which party has been in office, when you start talking about what happens in most of the living rooms for black folk, brown folk, poor folk, especially in communities like North Memphis, South Memphis, Fra Frazier, Hickory Hill, being Hampton, right? You don't really see much of a difference, not much of a difference. And so I hear people when they say that. And I still know that most of our issues are connected in some way to a political infrastructure. And so I ask people this all the time. Tell me some of the stuff that you are passionate about. What do you want to see changed? And they usually say something about jobs, crime, you know, wages, this sort of stuff, all of these things are connected to a political infrastructure that people who are elected to office or appointed to office by people who are elected get to have a strong say in what that looks like. And then people say, well, I, don't, I ain't political. Oh, really? How many of y'all in here pay taxes? Raise your hand. And everybody in here should, pay, sh should raise your hand. Let me tell you why. Do you buy groceries? It's taxed. You buy gas? It's taxed. You buy clothes, y'all fresh as hell like the Fizz, fizz watcher. <laughs> it's tax though, which means what? Which means you're putting money into a pool that people get to decide where the money goes. And if you're not connected to that infrastructure, you don't have much say so in where your money is going. 
So that's number one, letting everybody know you are political. By default, you don't have a choice in the matter. You are connected to a political structure that you deserve to have more power in. And lastly, I'll say, the other thing that you can recognize far and wide, and I spent yesterday, the majority of the day, at the county courthouse trying to make sure that we got better access to the voting booth because historically, people have been trying to do all they can to make sure black folk, brown folk, poor folk don't get good access to the voting booth. And then you would have to ask why. Why would they make people count the number of jelly beans in a jar or the number of bubbles in a bar of soap? Because they knew if black folk were able, ever able to organize and mobilize in mass, they would take control of what's happening in the communities. So Up to Vote 901 is sincerely trying to get more political power to more people. Y'all can follow us on Facebook, Up to Vote 901. Y'all can email us up to vote 901 at gmail.com. Go to up to vote 901.com. And to Tammy's point, to Commissioner Sawyer's point, that was fly, right? Put some respect on my name. I put some respect on your name. <laughs> to, her, to her point, this is a long journey. Like, not just this November election, not just the elections that have passed. We walked in the door saying 2018, 2019, and 2020. Yeah, so we, we got to do this and we got to be sustained in our engagement in it. Yeah, I would like to say um, shout out to the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Alpha Upsilon. We partnered, the Royal Court partnered with uh, Delta Sigma Theta this past week, and we pushed out a lot of people to go vote at 1230, uh, 1.30, and 3.30. And I actually took a couple of students with me. If you guys have not voted, like, you can, got, you guys can set up a, a, you know, like, hangout time, like, hey, girl, let's go get some lunch, and, you know, before we go grab some lunch, or afterwards, we're going to, you know, he head to the polls and go vote. Like, there's a poll, like, not too far away from this school, because that's where we went to. So, I mean, just, you got to motivate each, each other, and I really don't like the fact that we have black people out here saying, oh, well, my vote's not going to count. It's like, people made sacrifices for us. People just shed tears and, and blood for us to have that right to vote. So it's a smack in their face to, to, to say that. So go vote, please go vote. Wait, just to piggyback on what she said, um, someone saying my vote doesn't count. Because I hear that often. I know we're on a positive level on this panel today because we want you all to vote. But I do hear young people saying that they feel that their vote does not count. Do you all think that that is more so from a national level because of all the, you know, fervor going on? I think that it is something that they've witnessed their entire life. If you're 17 and your streets and your community have never been paved and your school has never been taken care of, you got, you know, fans in the summertime and you got to wear your coat in the winter, um, you don't get to the privilege of even thinking that anyone cares or that your vote would matter, right? And so I think that it's definitely on us. So in reclaiming this voting movement, right, we are picking representatives who are going to be accountable to us, right? And so, and if they're not, we're saying move on because somebody else has to be because there's no reason for you know you drive down Union, you're not going to hit a pothole, but as soon as you turn off Union onto Bellevue, yep. right, you, it's a hope and a prayer that you don't have to call insurance that day. And it's systemic, and we see it, and, and so I think people get tired. 
And, and yeah, we can get excited about um, going out to vote, but we shouldn't shame anyone. And, and, and one thing I've noticed is that when we shame people, when we make people feel bad or we tell them they're not, you know, that they are, you know, being dumb or don't care because they get, don't get out and vote, um, then they just shut down. Right, so we gotta empower people. Now, Devin right. has I'm a guilty. great meme, <laughs> but I laughed at it. <laughs> the first thing she said when she sat down was, I see your vote shaming. <laughs> <laughs> but his was funny. He was like, don't post your Gucci slippers and you ain't out voting. I was with him on that, but. <laughs> so, so, my first election that I was politically active in was 2000. Uh, we were here, the Ford family, you know, had all manner of engagement I remember on the that. Moore's campus. We were all engaged. And was sending us out to campaign and uh, whip votes for Al Gore when Al Gore was running for office against George W. Bush. And for those of us who say our votes don't matter, and I think you're right, primarily they are responding to what has happened on a national level, which is oftentimes is difficult to see how those votes for president actually translate to what's happening in the communities like what Tammy described. But I do remember being out there and hearing all of that vitriol and the negativity and, and, and I mean just white supremacist hateful rhetoric back in 2000, right? This is before Obama got in office. And so I remember being struck by that like what is going on and what is it about this that would make people act like this? And really, politics are ultimately about power. Who has access to power? And you feel it more intimately when it's local as opposed to when it's national. But at the same time, when you're not engaged in national politics, stuff like 2000 happens, people can actually steal elections, which discourages people even further because they feel like, well, it don't matter how I vote because they gonna put who they want in office anyway. That's where some of that stuff starts to really metastasize or become more intense when people start going through, don't, I thought you were gonna say something about me saying metastasize. She'd be like, that's, that, that's some earlism right there, right? Did so you say it right? Words. Right, so, so to be a doctor. The, the point that I'm making is we have seen both at a national level and at a local level small numbers of ballots being cast determine the difference between whether our future looks like it does now or it looks like it has, you know, kind of sort of in the past, let's just say 2008 when the future at least looked much brighter. I just want to jump in real quick. This is m my passion. I got my voting is power button on. Um, you all, even if just those of you in this room took the power that you have, you would be so much more powerful. So let me, let me share an example. How many of you have seen your mayor on this campus? City mayor. Seen the city mayor on campus. Seen the county mayor on campus? Okay. So you've seen, you've seen them? Okay, got you. But the rest of the room hasn't been engaged with them. Most state reps on this campus, most city council, county commissioners, whereas across town, Phil Bredesen, running for senator, did his um, town hall on the campus of Rhodes behind their gates, right? And didn't engage with the rest of the community. You had to go to Rhodes to hear Phil Bredesen. Um, in Florida, the students at FAMU sued the state of Florida to allow voting to happen on their campus because they said it was a burden for them who are there to go to school to have to find a ride or spend money to get to a voting booth when they had a critical mass of voters at their campus. 
you all don't have to take an hour to grab Chick-fil-A and go to Mississippi Boulevard to vote. What would it look like when you vote in 2019 for you to be able to vote upstairs? Right? What's that power look like? Think about those increased numbers. Those are things you could petition to do. People have been trying to organize around it, but I think it would stick more if it came from y'all versus us coming and saying, hey, let's, get a, let's make this a voting location. What if y'all took that power and said, well, you know, next year, if we're not graduating, I want to be able to vote here. Get the alumni involved, right? Have a voting day at Lemoyne and those are the types of things that you can do. Demand that in 2019, when there's a mayor's race, a huge mayor's race, right, that they have a debate on your campus. Even if it is in the little theater and only 250 people can sit in here, who cares? They owe it to you because your votes matter. So take that power and organize that. You could be voting upstairs and making mayors and senators and governors sit on this stage. And deciding who ends up in that office, right in here, right in this room. Wow, are you all inclined to do something we like are, that with Tammy are. suggested? That would be great. That would be a great charge let me, for let me you add all. Something, let me add something to it, too. Okay. I think there's also a lot of, especially in our city, a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are discouraged because on a local level, when we don't see, we see the same faces and the same people we have for years that don't get things done. Yeah, small things here and there, but when you travel or you see and you see the growth within our state, it's extremely frustrating. Um, I think probably what we need to do also is all of us, you know, use our our tools and our assets to educate people on the process a lot more. People will tell you what they think they know or what they know when they really don't because they're embarrassed to say that they don't understand. We all took civics or whatever they called it back then, um, but at the same time, it's like there's a, there's a huge gap, generational gap between people that understand how to be a part of the process and people that don't, that say they do, but they really don't. That's true, Devin. Yes. Do any of you have any questions about the topic we're on right now with voting? Come on to the mic. Vote how many else? How many else sick of seeing TV commercials? I am. <laughs> oh, if they talk about what's her name again? What's the lady name? They all Marsha Blackburn. Ma Maharsha. Oh Lord. Hey everybody. Hi. Uh, I'm Dee. I'm also the regional director for Vote Mob Memphis, and I'm taking care of the Tennessee portion, the West Tennessee side. Hey. And just being a part of this organization, you know, beforehand to me, I feel like a star in the world. You know, I've come, I'm from the Hayman, Black Hayman. Hey. Um, hey. And, you know, and I'm also from the south side of Chicago, from Roseland. So those things, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so, you know, I come from those places where those chains, as far as not being knowledgeable about voting and how it really impacts us in our neighborhoods, I come from that. Um, and really being part of this organization, it made me realize how important it is for us brown people to go out here and go vote. If your parents, I'm a single mother to a black four-year-old son, what happens now is what's going to be raising our kids later on. Definitely. And it's extremely, extremely, extremely important that we go out here and we vote because our lives depend on it. We get old, we, we are preparing a place for them to take care of us when we get old. And so I want to be able to extend, you know, especially to our millennials, to our babies and everything for us to make sure that we go out there and vote because that's the part of breaking that chain. I didn't have the knowledge and I think it's imperative and that's the question that I would like to be able to ask you guys is for us when, when you're talking about 
un underprivileged neighborhoods and things of that nature. How can we go in and really, you know, encourage and really break that chain so that when our babies do get older, they can make that, that thing to do when it's their time to go out and vote? So that's one of the things that Up to Vote 901 intentionally seeks to do. So we looked at the landscape of Memphis and Shelby County and looked at voter turnout historically over the past several years. We picked the lowest turnout neighborhoods and said that's where we would make our phone calls. That's where we would knock on the doors. That's why I could tell you the lowest turnout neighborhoods, North Memphis, South Memphis, being Hampton, Hickory Hill, Frazier, right? Now, I live in Whitehaven, so I'm down with Whitehaven, but that's one of the most heavily populated areas when you start talking about political engagement. I mean, people there vote in, in pretty strong numbers. So we would not have done ourselves the best service if we trying to reach the people who you just described. So we looked at these particular precincts, looked at these particular zip codes. We were trying to connect with people in those areas when we did events like rolling block parties and stuff like that. We made sure we didn't go downtown or out to Cordova or to certain parts and pockets of East Memphis that we know are affluent. We weren't in the popular corridor. We were in the areas where people have been underserved, underrepresented, disadvantaged, and exploited. Because those are the people that we know when we can get them, to Devin's point, educated and informed. Because we don't advocate for any candidate, right? We don't endorse candidates. I love this sister. We've been in the trenches together on the front lines of some of the most tense situations in the county in the country over the past few years. We done bumped heads several times because I've stuck to the gun of we are served best when we inform and educate our people so that they latch on to her on their own, which we see they did. And then she also put people in the streets on her particular campaign. This last campaign was the most heavily, in August, that was the most heavily campaigned election in recent history because Tammy was clear that she was gonna put people on the streets in her particular district because they had been taken advantage of, pushed to the margin. So we committed to doing that, and again, committed to doing it long term. Ain't no one, ain't nobody coming to save us. Nope. Ain't no Superman, no Superwoman, right? No. Nope. No one election, none of that stuff. Like, it is us collectively banding together for the long haul, for a long time. And we will see periodically some increases and in some um, improvements in our community. So we just committed to those neighborhoods. And I'm gonna give you the short non-pastoral version of that. Um, <laughs> non-pastoral. Anyway, um, that, to that point, the communities that we consider underserved, that we call underserved, those zip codes that Earl is talking about, are, have traditionally been ignored when it comes to electoral politics. Really quickly, I'll just tell you, there is a thing called a voting file. And the voting file gets smaller every year because it tracks who voted in the previous election. So my election voting file, the average age was 65-year-old white females, right? In a district that included parts of Fraser, parts of Raleigh, all of North Memphis. We had to like fiddle with the system to get the age lower and get more racial demographics. We had to say we're not just going to go by this voting file. Memphis is not a city where races are heavily funded, so most people just take that voting file, stick with that voting file, and send people out. So the folks in the districts where they might not have voted in the last city council race, next time in the city council race, they're not popping up on the list. So no one's knocking on your door. 
Also, we are a transient community, a lot, meaning a lot of us rent or and move around. You're in South Memphis in 2008. You're in North Memphis in 2009. Transient was one of them words. Y'all heard it, right? <laughs> I think we all knew that. It wasn't, okay. Um, Stop, Earl. <laughs> but, you know, you're moving all over Memphis, but your voter file doesn't update with your mail or your registration. I'm still looking for you at where you voted in the last city council race, if I'm running in the next city council race. Think about how often some people you know move. In four years, that might be four places, right? But where I'm looking for you in four years is the last place you were when you voted. And if you're not there, you get marked off as moved, address unknown, and you're removed from a voting file. Or placed on the inactive part first, then removed uh, right. the next election. So what happens is that then organizations that mean well don't remember that the voting file, in essence, counts us out. Doesn't consider the nature of our lives, that we are transient, that our home ownership is low right? All of those types of things that we might not make every election. And so what you all should be doing is making sure that when you go into those neighborhoods, just by one of the ways I won was because every time we knocked on the door, people were like, we have not seen someone knock on our door in four or five years. We have not seen somebody knock. I've lived in this house 10 years. No one's ever knocked on my door and asked for my vote. So knock on their door. Even if they tell you your vote don't count, they're going to remember that you asked them to go vote. They're gonna remember that. I gotta piggyback one second on what my sister said. Jesus. Piggyback, and we gonna close but, out but, on voting after this piggyback. Because she is referencing something that's happening by a governmental institution called the Election Commission. And the people at the Election Commission are people who are appointed by people who are elected to office. So it helps us if we have somebody elected to office that understands this process, so now when we raise hell about what's happening at the election commission, all of a sudden a county commissioner can call the election commission in to have to testify before the county commission about their practices. And when they are not persuasive, she can say, we gonna put together an ad hoc committee that's gonna provide oversight for the election commission so we can make sure that the election commission is doing what it should do so that when people try to go find out where potential voters are, we have an easier role to hold. You guys have a, a big job to do. Yo, and I applaud you all because you all are making a big impact sharing things with us that a lot of us don't even know that's going on right now. Yes, Mike. I wanna give my voting testimony. Since Earl talking, he passed Fisher. Yo, so this is my first time. <laughs> this last election, this is my first time ever voting. And you are how old? 35. Why? Why did you wait so late? I was that dude who said they don't... Uh, Think your vote counts? My vote don't count. Mm -hmm. I was that dude who was like, man, like politics, whatever. Politics is politics, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. stay in the streets. I'm going to stay with the community. Not really realizing that community is politics. But uh, what kept happening, though, like, my good friend again, TJ, kept, like, preaching about voting. Like, I was like, man, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to vote. Ain't nobody down with the voting, you know. But what changed is when I saw people that's tangible, you know what I'm saying, that's like, I could actually pick up the phone and call and be like, yo, so tell me about this here voting stuff. And when I talked to a couple of people after about a year of getting chastised <laughs> about voting, I said, man, I'm going to try because, like, 
And you see Earl, Earl, I mean, Earl go back. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he's pushing forward. I don't know who the politics are. And the day of the, I went to the election, I was lost as hell. <laughs> the day of, I would call the people, man, who do I vote for? What we vote for? Why we vote for them? You know, this is my district. But uh, I had a change of heart when I saw people like, that's, I talk to every day, just really trying. I'm like, okay, well, they give a damn. Let me let me put my two cents in. And it felt good when I posted on social media that was something positive. I was like, I voted today <laughs> for the first time. And, and, and it just felt good that I did my part. And we don't see in our district, in LVG, Lake Reed Garden, in the lower part of Westwood, we don't see the commissioner, the, the councilman over there often. Uh, I didn't know who they were. I was like, man, well, I'm going to vote against them because I want to see somebody that's, like, really care about the community. But that's my voting testimony. This is my first time I'm proud of you, Mike. You sure. started your voting journey. It's never too late to start. I'm a convert. Amen. Shout out to Jamal Whitlow, who's in the house. He's one of the people I know. Privilege. Help me. Privilege. Yeah. Former candidate for clerk. Shelby County clerk. One of my sponsors. Hey, Jamal. Yay. <laughs> Who, who else do we have in here? Um, any any other politicians in the building? Any others? Okay, okay. Okay, so do I have some future politicians in the building? Okay. Anybody interested in politics? Nobody? You will be. Remember, I was a Ciroc girl, so you'll get that. Hello? <laughs> she's still Hello. a Ciroc girl. She was a Ciroc girl. Now she's Shelby County Commissioner. Let's not tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, hello. My name is Quinae Johnson. I'm a graduating senior at Lemoyne on College. And I actually have a question for you. Um, so, I am not very um, well-rounded when it comes to the aspect of politics. And I wanted to know what is the definition of a commissioner and what are your responsibilities? Thank you for that question. Somebody else probably had that question, so I'm happy to answer it. Um, so we have in Memphis, you know, you've got your city council, you've got your city government, and you've got your county government. Um, on the county government, the majority of the representatives represent the city of Memphis, but basically the commissioners are actually one of the more powerful bodies, um, and that's not very well known. So it's important to pay attention to those races. And so the commissioners have oversight fiduciary, meaning we manage the budget of the county. Whereas in the city, the mayor has more power over the budget. In the county, the county commission has the final say on the budget. And the county budget funds our schools. So SES's budget goes through the county commission. Um, we, uh, we fund public health, the med, any uh, public money that goes to any of the um, private hospitals, all of that goes through the county commission. Um, additionally, oversight for the sheriff's department, uh, Shelby County Fire Department, um, all of the courts, juvenile court, general sessions court, who the clerks are, so what you get charged when you get a traffic ticket, all the way to, you know, are we, in, are we um, appointing people to um, judge positions that will let you go for a simple infraction or will tell you you got, what is it, 29 and, and 12? I don't know, the, you know, like a month. <laughs> Man, you know that you got time, what was it? 
1129. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we have oversight. Uh, so the sheriff, the clerks, um, the courts, uh, the fire department, all of those things that are, that are really important. Um, and then, of course, you've got your upkeep of the county properties and county roads and things like that. So there are some things that we have that impact all cities, right, like education. Sheriff's Department only has jurisdiction outside of Memphis, um, but they get called in often. So, for example, ICE, um, which detains um, people who do not have uh, citizenship in America. And so ICE works with the Sheriff's Department. If somebody gets arrested by MPD and they're pinged in the ICE database, they'll be transferred to Sheriff's Department. The Sheriff's Department has the ability to say whether or not they're going to hold that person, detain that person until ICE can get there or they're going to let them go. We just elected a new sheriff who is now committed not to hold people. <laughs> and just on, why you, since you let me be on my soapbox real quick, <laughs> black people are immigrants. Immigration is not just about one race. There are as many people who identify as being from African descent who are here in this country without citizenship status. And it is important for us to also be allies to people who don't look like us, who are getting treated as unfairly as we are. So do not say that we do not have a role in the fight for people without citizenship. Why can I not say it? Because I got I got amped for a second. I was like, <laughs> do not do not opt out of the citizenship debate. We have a responsibility to everyone to be treated equally. So those are some of the things that we have oversight. So basically, we put the money in. So like right now, juvenile court, you know, we're debating whether or not um, oversight needs to continue to happen with juvenile court, right? So we could take some money that is in juvenile court for other things and say, nope, we're taking this money because we know you're not going to treat black kids fairly, and we're going to put it into a division that monitors how you treat black kids. Since Trump's Department of Justice decided we didn't need monitoring, we're going to move that money around for that. So we move money around. We make money moves. Okay. <laughs> Cue Cardi B. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So my follow-up question is how you said that you became amped up after you talked about citizenship. Yes. When you mentioned education, that's something that I'm very avid about. Yes. That is not my major, but I grew up in a family where education is very important. Mm -hmm. And I can go back and remember in elementary school and middle school, social studies and just learning about politics was not a very um, important thing in the curriculum. So I feel like there would be major improvement as the years go on is if there was more politic um, information given to children because I didn't even know that voting was a thing when I was little. And yeah. I didn't, my parents didn't make it known to me that, oh, when you get older, you need to vote. Yeah. Now that I'm in college, even though I don't know a lot about politics, I know that there is an importance to vote. And I was just wondering if you know, can move a little extra money for the educators <laughs> <and> the <motivators. laughs> Okay. Real political move right there. 
so Devin made a good point. Like we, we used to have civics, right? Or you know, and and that's not really required anymore. And so um, one thing is a lot of teachers are getting more engaged in politics, and so they're including things like that, having sample elections, having people come out to speak to schools. Um, so I agree with you that it's vastly important that we make sure that people in high school, middle school, you know, even elementary school, like that's when you learn what's important, right? And so um, I, I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, sis. Right. <laughs> Fifth grade is when they teach how a bill becomes a law yeah. and the different branches of government. Fifth grade. And so if you grow up in a household where that is not taught because people are already disconnected because we talked about the conditions that most of us live in and we don't see the connection between what's happening outside or what's happening in our living room, what's happening in halls of Congress or on Main Street and in the Fed building or in the county commission building, then all of a sudden only the people who are already in the know get to pass that information down to their kids so that they remain in the know. So Tammy is somebody who has jurisdiction over entities that can remedy that stuff. And again, if we don't organize on the ground to get people like that and get more people like this elected, then we end up, cre uh, more, we, we end up with more of the same. Wow, great discussion on voting, right? Let's give that whole topic a big round of applause. Okay, y'all hear that? Do y'all know that song? Who is that? She got that juice. Yo got it. She got that squeeze. Look, look, Wendy like, yo got it. Ina. All right, all right. I only did that to kind of segue into this last topic, which is music. Everybody love music, right? So we got so many Memphis rappers that's hot right now, right? My mixtape is coming out in... No. <laughs> His mixtape called Up the Vote 901. Okay, so, you know, there's like a big resurgence of Memphis music. And I want the, the music expert on the panel, Mr. Devin Steele, to kind of tell us why is there such a big resurgence of Memphis music, 3-6 samples, production from the whole gamut. Well, I don't think it's a, it's a resurgence. I think what's happened is it's always been there. Technology's really changed a lot of that. You remember... Some of y'all might not remember, but in the 90s, <laughs> you remember Ball and MJG, for example, went to hey. Houston. Yeah. And then you had all these independent labels that were in these different cities. And it was like, oh, man, people used to say, you have to move away if you want to make it because Memphis does not support their own, which is not true, which is not true. Um, and Ball and MJG, for example, will tell you that. A lot of people move and have places other, but, but for accessibility, which is changing a lot. A lot of people live in Atlanta. A lot of people go to Atlanta because if you go out in Atlanta, you can see everybody in Atlanta. That's where a lot of producers are. That's where a lot of artists are. That's where a lot of, and that's mid-90s, uh, late-90s, early-2000s, mid-2000s. So let's take it up a little while to, you know, to the Memphis sound, the Memphis hip-hop sound, the Paul, the Juicy J's, the, um, you know, the, the pre-Gotties the pre and, and everything that's going on right now. But what's happened is all those artists that are using our sound have been watching since they were young. Mm. So that's where it's coming from. These days, you don't have to have a record deal. You look at the Dolls of the World, you look at the Gotties of the World, you look at all these stuff, different subsidiaries like an Empire or a 300, if you've heard of those um, different record labels before, because they don't, need the, uh, they don't need the push, they don't need the promotion, they have their own fan base. They just need a portion of the machine to get the information out there. Because it's not about hard sales. How many of y'all have been to a record store in the last year? Two people, right? 
three people, right? So I grew up as a teenager when I started DJing, I would go to Pop Tunes, I would go to Peaches, I would go to Sound Warehouse, I'd go to Boss Ugly Bobs. I would spend every dime that I had on records. I'd go to college, played football in college. I went, I would come to Memphis, come home and buy every record I could so I could go back and DJ all the Greek parties. So you had to go to the record store and physically buy them. So now my point is it's about streams and about downloads. So when one person is hot, it's all eyes on, on what's going on, and people just ride the wave. Okay, so you look at, like, Black Boy JB, the year that he had, you know, the shoot song is two summers old. This summer is two summers. Ask anybody, you know, and the kids, they were doing the shoot dance two years ago, two summers ago. But what happened was Drake and his relationship with the city, he was looking for a new wave. You remember when he jumped on Migos, Versace, Versace, okay. He was looking for a new wave, right? Drake had been really quiet. He threw Black Boy, the, the ultimate alley-oop. The ultimate. And, and there you go. So it's like, oh, Memphis. Okay, let's find somebody from Memphis. Let's see what's popping in Memphis. Let's see what's going on. So people have used our sound even before this hip-hop renaissance in Memphis. People have jacked stacks. You know, people have taken credit for stacks. Uh, you know, and, and high records and so on and so on. In Memphis, there's so many talented people within two degrees of separation from everybody. You know, you talk about people and who their uncles are and who they played for and they were session artists and look at guys like, you know, that I see weekly like David Porter and there's a guy that all these people have sampled in, in the early 2000s and this guy's like, you know, his sound is, uh, he's a hero to me. You know, so, so as a music guy, Memphis has always been a hotbed for talent, always. It's just right now it's all eyes on us and we're getting a lot of the credit because of... Um, the frequency is, is, is happening a lot more. Wow. You know, even just you all attending Lamorno in college, you know Stax is around the corner. You know Memphis Slim House Recording Studio is around the corner. I believe they're even building a whole new, new studio um, right there where Neptune is for you all. So do you all, I'm just posing a question, do you all ever visit these facilities and utilize the equipment? You got a question? Come to the mic, please. So I won't forget. Um, my name is Jacoby Wesley. I'm an upcoming um, sound engineer, and I'm also an artist. And I tell you, I said, so in regards to what you had said, when you were like, you feel like that people got to go to another city or another state to thrive, I feel like it's the same thing when it comes down to making a different type of music in Memphis. Because I believe that our generation, like you said, want to know the block boy or another the cash and people that meet, people like me that make different types of music, we get overlooked because we're not making what everybody else want to hear. So I feel like our music is downgraded and we're not seeing how we should be seen because we're not making Memphis music. And like you were saying, I feel like I have to go somewhere like Atlanta for somebody to see my music for how it is. Well, that, that's a good point. And keep, keep making music. Don't be discouraged. But there's so many things that are happening in the city. Like, let's take, I make mad beats and his unapologetic. Like, there's, they have a whole compound they're about to start in, um, in Orange Mound. There's a lot of money that's being piped back into the city. And there's a lot more programs that are now, have people that are in charge of these programs that get it, that understand guys like you. That's been the disconnect over the last um, you know, 10, 15 years, you've had people that control these budgets, people that control, control these entities that don't know what's happening, that don't know what's what. But it's amazing when you put the money in the right places behind the right people, what happens? It's like, wow, I magic. Hey, this, you know, this guy's really got something going on. And, and the engineering program, uh, you know, field is, is great because you'll always have a job. You'll always have a job. But, you know, here again is don't, with that's what you want to do. Memphis isn't a bad place for that. But getting in a car and going to Nashville, which 
has a lot of music as well, too. You know what I'm saying? You just got to be ready to get up and, and, and make it happen. So it's kind of a, kind of a catch-22. You know, leaving isn't a bad thing, but staying here, you have to be proactive and make sure you align yourself with the people that are making those moves. Because there are people that are making those moves that, that are looking out for guys you know, like you and entities like you that the money is now fa falling into the right places. Mike Mosby, you got to talk about hard hitters, bro. Yeah, so we're going to uh, talk about, I'm going to address a uh, man, Angel just said, Slim House is right around the corner. Uh, Isaac Daniel is, uh, he runs Slim House. Uh, Isaac Daniel has a lot of plugs, has a whole lot of plugs. And the thing about Memphis, uh, Memphis, people say uh, Memphis has the best talent in the world. You know what I'm saying? But I would say Memphis is the, one of the hardest places to break from. The reason being, just like in this audience, I bet we throw the mic in the audience out of like 50 some people, like 20 of them probably can sing or rap, you know, and that's just Memphis. And the thing about it is you got to plug in to who's doing who, you know, on a local basis because uh, everybody like has an avenue to somebody else, you know what I'm saying? And there, there are plenty of opportunities. Uh, Devin them have events. Uh, I have events. Uh, you got Shay right here. You have like so many people that's in the music industry that's like willing to help people. You got Type T here today, you know what I'm saying? And you just gotta like, I guess, not saying do more homework, but just network, network more, you know, network more because it's out here. Uh, take heat. One of the hottest producers in the game right now from yeah. Memphis. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of cats, believe it or not, uh, they rehearse. They have rehearsals in Slim House. You know what I'm saying? I play for them. You know, so, like, you just got to network. You know and, what I'm saying? And Tyke is a, is a prime example and Shay of, you know, don't, you're not, don't wait on anybody. You know, you can't, you can't sit and wait because nobody's going to make something happen. You have to do it yourself and you have to educate yourself and network yourself. They are, he is a great, he is a prime example of how you network and make things happen with his relationship with CD Baby and all these other companies, understanding the business of digital music and how to get your stuff out there and how to get it popping. Like, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions people, people have is because you see it on movies or you, you think that's the way that it's supposed to go. You put something out, radio plays it, you blow up, you're rich, you go buy a chain, right? That's not the way it works. You know what I mean? Like, you make the music and you make it happen on your own because if you're doing it to pay bills and make it a career, then that's what, you know, and, and that's what you're passionate about. Then people are going to recognize that. People are going to invest in you and people are going to try to create those opportunities. So sometimes they happen faster than others. Sometimes they happen here. Sometimes they happen other places. But when you see guys like Tyke T who are constantly on digital media that pop up in magazines and getting attention just because of the, the, the legwork they've done, that it's just, it's an incredible testimony to people who really are passionate about what they do and that's what they want to do, so. And don't count out the listeners either. I'm not a music exec, you know, but when Black Boy drops something, I'm not going to know, right? I might hear it at the Grizzlies game or someone might be like, this is what, but when college drops something, my Spotify blows up like, hey, we know this is what you listen to. You know, when Black drops his new album, like I listened to it for a month, you know, those, so you never know who's in your city listening to what. And I don't even know if those are the guys you're like, I'm just saying there's, you know, a wide diversity of listeners. So don't count yourself out and don't count out the listeners either. Okay. And I understand what y'all are saying because I've been making music since sixth grade. And as me developing, as me developing myself, I've noticed that everybody that I've been around, that everybody, almost everybody that I know raps and make music. And that's why I started to 
get my own equipment, become my own sound engineer. Because last semester, I spent my whole entire uh, refund check on new equipment. Because I realized you're going to take money to make money, and that's really the hardest thing out here. Because if you want to make it, you either got to have somebody behind you that's backing you, or you got to put every penny of your money into what you're doing. And it's really the hard part out here. So sound engineer, man, uh, mm-hmm. Next Level Entertainment, he's doing the sound. Like, even though right like, he have his minute. Like, EP? that dude right there, Ron Stanton, he, uh, man, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, from here to Atlanta to Ohio to everywhere. So, like, take the opportunity, again, to network. And the thing about it, Definitely. you got to maximize every single opportunity you get. You know what I'm saying? And that's just a free plug for you right there. Like, the sound engineer, Man, you can get gigs, you get work, you get studio work, and you know what I'm saying. And the people that he's connected to, like, I was, they were just having a conversation before we started about him recording Devin's next event. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you hot at him just to even just come sit and just yeah. chill, be a part, you know. And he may man, mentor you. You just never know who you're around, especially with the sound, bro. We we are lacking. In Memphis, sound engineers mm-hmm. right now. We're lacking studio engineers. All the great studio engineers, Boo Mitchell, uh, Isaac Daniels, a lot of other people, man, they're like booked up. And there's like a whole lot of artists looking for work <coughs> for sure. So just plug in, bro. Wow. So much good discussion. We're going to kind of close out the music session, though, because we kind of already got into being an independent artist. But I do want to touch on good music versus trash. Oh, y'all, that resonates with you all? Look, snap, snap. Really? (laughs) Okay, so, you know, there are a lot of rappers, singers. um, Some of us have our favorites. Some of us have our favorites where we just like the beat, but are they mumbling? What are they saying? So, Devin, kind of school us on the perception of good music versus trash. First thing, and I I, I texted, you know, when I saw it, you know, this was going to be the question. Like, that's a... You know, good versus trash is a very subjective, <laughs> like, because, you know, if, how many of y'all think that what I play on the radio, I listen to on my truck? It's just out of, I mean, I don't, I listen to a lot of different kind of music, but I have to, but to, you know, to, to ease my mind, you know what I mean? But what you have to understand when it comes to, to radio and what you hear on the radio is we have a very systematic um, system of, uh, a big company owns the radio station and the company that I work for that runs the radio station. So we have to have systems in place. We have research, and most of my job is research and data. I go on two different pieces of software. When a project drops, I can show you by zip code. I can show you by area code what people are downloading. I can tell you if they're buying it. I can tell you if they're streaming it. I can tell you if they're paying for it or they're getting it for for free. Somebody drops an album, uh, seven days later, I can tell you in Memphis, by zip code what songs they want off that project and how many times it's being downloaded. People can say, you know, people will say, well, I've got, how many you heard people say, I got two million views on YouTube. Well, 12 years ago, they changed that where, you know, people could buy views on YouTube to make themselves look better. But at the same time, with streaming services and Pandora and you have got Apple Music, like that's real statistics. You can see how people what they want. So I say that to say that Memphis is a great radio market. If you go to other cities, you'll understand that. Things are a lot tighter in other cities. The bigger the city, the bigger the population, the smaller the playlist because it's mathematics. You have to expose the best testing, most popular songs the most number of times to reach the most number of people. So 
The radio business is not into breaking artists and breaking records. We're in, the, we're in the business of exposing the most popular songs the most number of times. That's why things fit into categories. And when it's in there, it's in there. So you, let me ask you this, Devin. Okay. So you said, like, you know, a lot of the program, like on K97, when you leave your shift, you're not listening to that. So, like, the, so when you think about the playlist that's being played, what do you think, why are these songs the most popular? Because it's based on research. It's okay. based on all that information that I told you that we get. We put it into, another, into a system that says, this is what we need to be playing the most number of times. Now, Memphis is a city where you do get a lot more music. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of success in music with, with commercial radio, especially with urban radio. Always have since the 1940s in Memphis, since the 1950s. But the, smaller, the bigger the city, the smaller the playlist, the more controlled it is. When you go to Chicago, you go to Atlanta, you're going to hear the same songs that we play in Memphis, a whole bunch. Right. We don't have an independent music show in a lot of those other cities. You know, our mix shows in the afternoon, my mix show at 5 o'clock, our mix shows at 10 o'clock and on the weekend. You know, we have a small list, but those guys get a chance to expose and play what they want to play based on, and we talk about that. We have meetings and talk about that and talk about new music. So as far as control, there's a lot less control in a city like Memphis just because me being and coming from DJing, I feel like that's an opportunity. If you have people on your staff, you have to let them expose yourself, expose what, what they like and what they think is happening. Now, I'm talking about DJs, mixing DJs. I'm not talking about on-air personalities. There's a big difference. Everybody on the radio was not a DJ. People that, everybody that's a DJ is not a radio on-air personality. So don't, that, that gets skewed these days. So, you know, to answer your question is we have to take all that information and based on that information, come up with the best system for us to put these songs in this category, the second most popular songs in this category, the third most popular songs in this category, the fourth in this, in this category. How many of y'all listen to the radio, honestly, if you listen to the radio at least once a day? <laughs> okay. How many of y'all have Apple Music, Pandora, or Spotify? Like Title. That. Okay. Title. Title. Okay. Title. So the interesting thing is the difference between what you say you listen to and what you actually listen to are two totally different things. All right? And that's, that, that's real talk. Like, I love Apple Music. Something new, the, um, the Offset record came out. How many of you heard the new Offset? You heard the new Offset last night? It's better than the whole uh, Quavo album. So, so, I listen, so, for example, you know, I use Apple Music when I get new music. Apple Music gets it when, we get e when, when DJs like myself or radio guys like myself get things emailed to us. We get it all at the same time. And so tomorrow I can tell you and I can look and I can pull it up and tell you how many people in Memphis have downloaded and listened to it and streamed it. So based on that... I might say, you know what, do I have a meeting with my mix show DJs and say, man, you know what, we've had 13,000 people in Memphis have downloaded and listened to it and streamed it. It might be worth mix show play. It's a conversation piece and people want to hear it. So there's a lot of different things that go, that go into that. So it's very hard to say what's best for business and what's trash yeah. and what you like and what you don't. I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. It doesn't mean that every Jay-Z track needs to be on the radio. I listen to Marvin Sapp. I listen, to, I listen to everybody, you know what I mean? But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, it needs to be on my radio station. You have to keep your eyes on the prize. The reason why I ask what, and that's ratings, and when I say eyes on the prize, I mean that's ratings, which creates commercial revenue, and that's how radio stations continue to stay on the radio. Right now, we have a lot of commercials on the radio right now because it's political season. You hear a lot of political ads yeah. on the radio just like television. That's something that I don't control. I control what goes on 
in between those commercial ads. We're in the business of making money off of commercials. We just happen to do it in a very artful, very skillful way, and that's playing music. And that's just the truth about radio. That's the truth about television. The difference between commercial radio and streaming services, radio is a companion. People listen to radio because radio cosigns. People want that companionship. They want to hear about uh, Commissioner Sawyer. They want to hear about what happened at the club. They want to hear about what happened last night. They want to hear about your personal experience. We're doing St. Jude Radiothon these last two days. I'm representing with my shirt on. We're going to raise about $125,000 for the kids at St. Jude yeah. between four radio stations. But that's the local engagement. Spotify, Tidal, all these other services, that's a streaming service. You're going to hear through your favorite songs, and it's going to throw in something that you don't want to hear, <laughs> right? It's not a companion. Mm -hmm. It's a streaming service. Commercial radio is, this, is, is, this, um, is a companion. But if you think about this in a city like Memphis, right? So the way that we're rated, and not to blow your mind, is it used to be, how many of y'all ever seen an Arbitron Diary before? Anybody ever seen an Arbitron Diary? They send something to your house, and with a pencil, you say, I watch this, I listen to this, I wake up and listen to this in the morning, and usually you do it right before you turn it in, and it's something, you're, you're, you're basically recalling through your memory what you watched or what you listened to a week ago. Now, I can't tell you what I ate for dinner two days, I mean, at lunch two days last week. So when they stopped the diary method, this is only 10 years ago, they stopped doing that to rate television and radio. Now it's done digitally with a PPM meter, a personal people meter. Anybody ever seen a PPM meter before? Okay. It looks like a pager, and if your ear can pick it up, um, it has an audible signal, it picks up whatever it's coming from. You walk in a store and they're playing a radio station, it picks it up, it sends the information back to the company Arbitron or Nielsen. That's how we get rated. So let me blow your mind even more. So my job for another 90 days is based on a 10% return of 652 meters. Anybody know what 10% of 652 is? Right. So that many people determine on what they're listening to on the radio. So, like I said, it, not to be too technical, but there, have to be, there has to be a system where we get rated, just like there has to be a system where we get our data from that determines on what we play on a radio station. So we can say, this radio station is number one, this radio station is number two, this radio station is number three. We're lucky and blessed, knock on wood, to be in a market. I am because four of my radio stations are urban radio stations. The majority of the, 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 the metro is what, 65% African-American? Right, that what a million people in the market. So if only 652 people out of 650,000 have a meter, and I throw that out in a crowd, what, what is the possibility of somebody of African-American catching that meter? It's pretty high, right? If you think of it like a stadium or a, an event or a festival, right? So that works for our benefit of radio stations that are focused on African-Americans, whether it's our urban radio station, our urban AC, Hallelujah FM, WDIA, WLOK of the world. So our radio stations do very, very well in this market that target African-Americans. So. And, and what's, what, we're a medium-sized market. We're about 29 or 30, right? No, we're 51. 51? Yes. Okay. I will say this. Uh, he gave out all the uh, technical part technical. of it, but I do feel like there's a lot of trash that's out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. I feel like people are not, like, making songs that you could just actually sit and listen to. But that's you know their cre creative creative entity, right? Like, 
Somebody listening to it. But, Some, but you're somebody saying listen to it, your but opinion is you don't opinion, like it. My okay, opinion. Mike Mosby, what do you consider trash? Give me three trash songs. Three trash songs. Well, for the sake of podcasts. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, when I say trash songs, trash songs ain't talking about stuff. I always talking about shooting and killing. Killing okay. and shooting. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. okay, we got it. We got it now. We're from Memphis. We all know what the hood is. We all seen the okay. gun. Anything so, like, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing songs about shooting and killing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then being a musician uh, and being a musician from Memphis uh, is a difference. Like, Memphis rappers are putting Memphis music on the scene. You know what I'm saying? Memphis singers are still singing cover songs. You know what right. I'm saying? And like I would like to see Memphis singers help contribute to what the rappers are doing because they smashing right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But with singers, when we're talking about this feel-good music, we're talking about, like he, he mentioned David Porter. You know what I'm saying? David Porter wrote like a lot of stuff for Stacks. Mm-hmm. Like we missing that kind of feel in music right now. And the trap, the trap is the buck of Memphis, and I just feel like we need more R&B, more soul, more le- less killing and shooting niggas. You know so what I'm saying? You gotta lead the can charge, I, Mike. Can I, because I want to hear from Mr. and Mrs. Lemoyne about this, mm-hmm. and and they could talk some about. Because I felt the the shift from Devin talking about the science of the the industry mm-hmm. versus I think your question, at least from my vantage point, was more about the substance of the music. So, And we all know it's subjective. Mike was talking about that too. And I think about the music that we listened to when we went here and the yeah, ways- Yeah, it's very we, different. Right, well, but yes and no. I think some of that is revisionist history. Devin owes me a t-shirt that has some <laughs> names of some prominent <laughs> hip hop artists. And I got you when I get them. From what we would call the golden era, right? So yeah, I'm a Jay-Z yeah, Nas. guy. I'm a, I'm a Nas. I'm a Biggie guy. I'm a yeah. Tupac guy. You know, Which I know about Nas right, and right, Biggie. Lord, yeah. my, my, oh, okay. the, Lauren Hill and all that other stuff, right? So, so that that stuff was hot. But, but I was about to say, and at the he same, did, that's, but why we liked re- him. that's why I say it's revisionist because we take the highlights of the '90s, like we didn't have Vanilla Ice or trash music too, right? So I wanted to know more about what. Um, he just so, gonna say Vanilla Ice. Yeah, I mean, I could go down the list. Trust me, right? Because okay. Some stuff that, but Mr. I want, and Mr. Yeah, Lamar, yeah, what please. are your thoughts? Tell about? us what's on your playlist. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, like that, but old school, like Aaliyah. Yes. Yeah, that's what I like to listen to. Oh, I, I love that y'all like 90s. I'm, I'm a Nas fan. I'm a Jay-Z fan. What? Tupac, Biggie. Nas. How are you turned She's on to Nas? She's going places, ladies and gentlemen. How are you She's turned on to Nas and Biggie? Okay, so. Did somebody introduce you to it, or did you discover it? Mm, you know, somebody introduced me to Biggie okay. when I was younger. But the Nas, when he, you know, he came for uh, for uh, Jay Z, mm-hmm. that that uh, what was that? Ether. 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 Oh, man, look at that. that fire. Like, Gold star for you, Miss <laughs> Lamar. I was like, all right now. What? So yeah, I mean, okay. mm, I feel like history do repeats itself. And when we were growing up, that Waka Flocka ABC song, like Waka Flocka she ABC, said, well, I we was were like, growing uh, up. <laughs> and so now everybody, we got the mumble rappers out here. It's, they sound like. Do you Waka. like mumble? Do you like no, mumble? No, I don't. Okay. What is no. your? Yeah, you got a you got a guilty ignorant turn up song. What is it? You want to be ratchet <laughs> on what? You know what? Cardi actually, B. Actually, no. I've been hearing some things about Cardi, and I'm I'm not liking it. So. But are you Cardi versus Nicki or something? No, I'm not that. But I do love Nicki though. But, but she I'm, has a good point that things go in cycles, and people are copy. When people hear one. Somebody does something, everybody comes right along and does it. Then somebody else does it. Then somebody takes the same sound and they do it. 
So it does go in cycles. I, I agree with you totally. And I do think that the music is going to get better. I think with the LMAs of the world, whether or not you're tired of a music or not, if you're talking about the hers, you're talking about the Daniel Caesars of the world. Like there's some good artists that are getting good mainstream, if y'all want to say radio play, that people really love, really people are passionate about. Maxwell talked about it last night. He said, man, I'm still performing these songs that I did 22 years ago. But you have to support, you know, the artists that are coming out in some way, form, or fashion, and things go in cycles. So, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that the music will get better. You know, unfortunately, I, I, like I tell people all the time, I don't make the music. I have a job that I have to do just like everybody else has to do. If you, yeah. if you make sandwiches and you don't like pastrami, then I bet you get you asked sell. these questions a lot, though. You know, yeah, but you know what? It's part of. I mean, I'm a very tangible person. A lot of people that are that are, that have my role in other markets, you don't see out. They don't, I still DJ in the club, as you know, because I have a brand and I have a, 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 a certain, you know, I, I'm still on the radio. I'm still a personality, so I still have to be out. But a lot of people that do what I do don't feel like they have to explain to anybody mm-hmm. that they don't feel like it's their job. And, and I want people to understand. I want people to be passionate. Somebody comes up to me and goes, man, I started DJing because I listened to you. Or I remember that time where you had, the first time you had T.I. on the radio. And that's, that's what it's about. That's yeah. what it's about. And, you know, just trying to do the best with what's provided, so. I let, I let uh, my boys, we was on our way to the state championship. Shout out to Chickasaw Middle School, we won the city championship. <laughs> we won on our way Chickasaw. to the state. Oh, look, I let them listen to, I let them listen to what they want to listen to, but I said, first y'all gotta listen to what I want y'all to listen to. I played Tupac. They're like, man, cut this off, coach. I was like, man, then I let them play, I played Nipsey Hustle, and they want me to turn Nipsey Hustle off. I was like, shut up, just listen. And when they was listening to what Nipsey Hussle was talking about, they was bought in. Mm. And one of them downloaded his album. And I was like, man, if we can just get our kids to just start listening to yeah. rappers who's got, like, messages, you know what I'm saying, versus the commercials. The commercial is cool. Like, the commercial is very cool. But, like, I like messages. I like somebody who's actually talking about stuff. I'm then. surprised they wanted you to turn off Tupac. But yeah, that's yeah. what's happening with the availability of different music. People are expect just like her taste in, in, in 90s. Like, for example, let me age myself for a second. Like, my kids. Like, my kids love 90s R&B. And, and I didn't – I exposed them to a lot of different things, but they didn't get that from me. Like, my kids can, can tell you – Lyrics off Jodeci albums, like off of Leah albums, like all, all kinds of stuff. But it's just like with the availability of it, they're finding it. Like, you know, when, when Michael Jackson passed away and Prince passed away, like they took it upon themselves to find, you know, to find those songs, to, 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 to learn more about them, even though I'm a big fan of both of those artists. You know, like, Dad, you ever heard Baby Be Mine? I'm like, you act like you've never heard me play this song before. Like, <laughs> like where y'all been? You know, so, so it's very interesting, I think, this generation, and it all goes into helping make the product sound better. So I think it's, I think it's getting better. Okay, we're going to get one last question right here. Come to the mic. While he's coming up, I just want to say, you called Aaliyah old school. She would be a, a year older than me, so we're going to talk after this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Commissioner. Well, um, I just believe that everybody listening to the same thing because that's a conformity thing. Like, you go to all the parties, you want to be a part of what you see at the party. So you're going to go back home, and you're going to download their song. You're going to learn their song. So next party, you can turn up with everybody else. Like, everybody, you can only listen to what you either hear or what you have access to. And most people just want to fit in. They want to conform it. They don't want to be outcasted. So they listen to what everybody else listens to. Following trends, right? Can I right? just really quickly jump in there? Mm-hmm. So, like, 
the party that Devin does that we go to, what, quarterly? Yes. My, it's like the only party you'll see me at. The kickback. The kickback, right? And it's this party where we play, we, like I, <laughs> like I DJ. I just be like, DJ hey. Tammy on the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party where it's like old school hip hop and R&B and folks who you might think would not come in that place. It's all kind of people, all ages come in the room, mm-hmm. you know, vibing. You know, we all have a good time. Like, it's an event. Like, it's on our calendar. <laughs> like, when's the next one? Uh, my birthday, actually, in December. But the interesting thing is, is that's, that's a good point. For people that are a little bit older, there's opportunity of when, when to be creative, to do these kinds of things, because it sparks something different inside of you. And it's not just about, you know, it's not just about the music, but it's about the vibe. It's about, we have a full band. So it's basically four turntables, two DJs, and a full band and a horn section. So we play everything from the 80s, 90s. um, And it basically just becomes like a jam session, a newer, but people can't really put their finger on it and say, man, I really had a good time and I really felt good because we're so used to the same thing or conforming to the same thing. When you do something that's so different, it turns on something, that dopamine in your brain. Yep. You're getting something that you really usually don't get. <laughs> you usually don't get. And that's, you know, I think that's part of, I'm glad you said that, and I appreciate it. I think that's part of, of my DNA is like, I'm, you know, I did the DJ camp last year, and I'm, you know, for kids, and I'm like, you know, this is something that I have to do to kind of, you know, do something to keep my creative going, you know, my creative going too, because, hey, man. But to that point, I was just saying, you can also create space. If you want people to not conform, there. think about how many people in this room probably would love your sound. I'm interested in hearing what you're talking about, right? And so, like, you know, Shay, who's in the front row, she does a similar set once a month, the Artistic Lounge, right? Pulls people together, and it's not around the same sounds. Each month is a different sound. We're going to something tonight. Superman is doing, you know, a party at Crosstown. Same thing, right? So there's this opportunity where people have said, I don't want to necessarily stand in uh, Privé and get beat over the head with the same beat that I heard while I was riding there on the radio and that I hear all day. Like, if I've got a few hours to just chill, I want to chill in a vibe. And you could create that space for your generation. Create, have some people, you know, it could become a thing. So yeah. don't feel like you have to conform. Break the mold and bring people with you. Can I mention one thing? One uh, thing. One thing, just one thing. Back, back, back to what you were saying. Uh, I think it's important just to be unapolo- unapologetically yeah. yourself. Um, that's more important than anything because when it comes to music, um, like, for example, me, I stay on the fourth floor, and if you walk past my room, you're probably going to hear Bart, Mozart, or you may hear One Republic, or you, you may hear whatever. You understand? It comes out, it comes out of my room, but I'm not it, – it, it, I don't care what people – you know, say about yeah. what I'm listening to. You get what I'm saying? Because for me, uh, when I listen to music, I, I look for substance, right? I can't hear nothing. If you're not talking about nothing, I just can't listen to it, you know? And it's just how I grew up, you know, because my family, they, all, all my family, all of them sing, they're musicians, but that's what I listen to. So um, I just, just to say to you, uh, don't, I mean, you, you don't got to go and be be like anybody else. Just, just be comfortable in who you are. And um, just, there's a crowd for you, man. There's somebody out there l- looking for your voice. And I feel like the yeah. more you work it, the more you work your art, the more you work your craft, you'll find it. Keep pushing. Keep doing your work. Keep working on your sound. Wow. Music just brings out so many topics and emotions, right? 
So we're going to close out on it, but uh, we're going to have a performance from Taiti. But before we do that, I just want to thank my panelists here on the stage. They did an awesome job. And I want each one of them to have parting words, no more than a minute, or, you know, anything you would like to promote. Mr. Lamont, starting with you, down the line. So um, let, me, let me first say um, thank you so much, Ms. Ina, for allowing me to be here. Um, I'll just leave you all with this. Um, and this is a quote from me. Um, it says, um, <laughs> there's, and also December 3rd, I have a book I'm releasing. My first book is called Let It Go. Um, December 3rd to be the release, but uh, I want to, want to leave this with you. There's, there's hell in every hello. Be careful. And there's good in every goodbye. Be thankful. And that's my parting words. Thank you all so much. <laughs> uh, really, thank you for this opportunity. I would like to say to um, my classmate over here, I really believe that you can create op create opportunities. I can say SZA or SZA. I heard her on World Star, and this was years ago. So you guys gotta put you know put yourselves out and create your own opportunities, and you will get heard. So just like you said, keep pushing. I also like to promote. Uh, I want to be a part of the Ebony Campus Queens, and I was asking you guys, can you vote? I don't know. I can get the link out to you. You yes. can promote it yep. on um, out. Okay, I will. So, yeah, it's unlimited voting, and it ends on um, December 21st or 31st. 31st. So, yeah, thank you again. Well, thank you, my dear sister and LOC family. Can we give it up for the host? Yeah. Ms. Esco. Uh, <laughs> so, so thanks, as always, for putting something wonderful together. Salute to Lemoyne. Looking forward to turning over to everybody tomorrow at home. Coming, y'all know what it Me is. Me too. <laughs> That's all? You sure? I've, wow. Reclaiming my time. No. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ina, so much. Thank you, everyone who's hanging out with us on a Friday. You know, um, we appreciate it. Hey, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Lemoyne. Um, my closing words are vote, 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 vote. That's good. I <laughs> um, just want to say, Ina, you're doing an excellent job. Um, congratulations. Thanks for having me. This is cool to do live, and I'm sure it'll multiply exponentially next time you do it um, as well, too. Um, I, I'm, I'll promote myself. Obviously, I'm on the radio every afternoon, and I, I took off today to be here to support you um, from 3 to 7 on K97, but also make sure you follow on Instagram. It's Devin, D-E-V-I-N underscore steel, and uh, please feel free to inbox me. Send me emails. I try to correspond with everybody. Send me your music. That's Devin Steel at Gmail. Dot com. Listen, I, you know, I consider myself partially, you know, I hate to use the word gatekeeper, but at the same time, I try to help people as much as I can, even if it's not, you know, the final, um, your final destination is wanting to be a recording artist on the radio. Like, I try to create other opportunities and other avenues to help out people as well, too, and I think that's part of my job and part of my calling. I've been doing this for like 20 years, and obviously I'm not getting any younger. Um, but at the same time, like, I try to create other lanes for myself to help other people, whether it be through the DJ camp for kids I did last year or other things that I do. So please, you know, feel free. If you have ideas or you just want to chop it up, just feel free to hit me up. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely always an open book, so appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Ina, for having me. Uh, I'm proud of you. Keep going. Uh, 
again, I run a nonprofit organization raising about dollars. Just waving at me, man. I don't know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say what I'm gonna say now. What I'm about to mess up again, God. But uh, follow my nonprofit on Instagram, RTB Mentoring. Uh, we're about to get ready to uh, feed 50 families for Thanksgiving in the LVG community. Uh, then we're doing a big uh, toy giveaway for Christmas. Uh, we're doing amazing work in the schools. We actually do music production for my guy over there, man. We are definitely finna start hiring for our after-school program to teach kids how to make beats, jingles, ringtones, engineering. Uh, follow the hashtag, make moves that count, and you should find me. Uh, and that's all I want to tell everybody, just make moves that count, for sure, for sure. Thank vote, you. Vote, 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 and vote, and vote. Thank you so much, panelists. And I had a good time for my first live show. And I definitely, you know what? You know what? This show is actually being recorded audibly and visually. So you're going to be able to hear this as an episode. So I definitely want you to download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, so you can hear this entire experience. And um, one more thing. Also, follow me on social media, Ina Esco, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. Also, follow Verbally Effective on social media. And big shout-outs to the students because you all came. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really appreciate it, and this is only the first one. So I definitely plan to come back and do more with the students here. And, you know, I have so much pride being a graduate of Lemoyne on College because we have such an entrepreneurial spirit. And I want you all to feel that and just experience the same thing that I'm experiencing now. So thank you. And without any further ado, put your hands together for Mr. Billboard Charting, Mr. Driven, Tyke T. It's an amazing intro, girl. Hold up, time out. Can y'all please make some more noise for Ina for allowing us to do this? This girl up here recording a whole, I can't cuss, live podcast. So my name is Tyke T, and I'm about to get into this record. It's called This Can't Be Life. But before I do that, we got to start it like this. Memphis, Tennessee, I need y'all to make some noise in here, man. No, 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 no. See, you could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with Tyke T. So let's try this again. Memphis, Tennessee, I need y'all to make some noise. Turn up. So I got this record, it's called This Can't Be Life. The beautiful thing about this song and the bad thing about this song is that it's still relevant. I wrote this in 2015 after Sandra Bland, after Mike Brown, and it seems like this country continues going through the same thing. But I need all y'all help. So the song is called This Can't Be Life. When I say it, I just need y'all to say it back. Y'all think y'all can do that for me real quick? So I go like this. Man, this can't be life. Nah, it can't be life. Now nah, I can't be. I work a nine to five just to stay alive, but I barely make enough just to keep on my lights. Hey, just to keep on my lights. Hey, if I get stopped for a traffic ticket, could end up dead. It's not pushing me because I'm close to the edge. Man, this can't be life. Now nah, I can't be life. Now nah, I can't be. I work a nine to five just to stay alive, but I barely make enough just to keep on my lights. Hey, just to keep on my lights. Hey, if I get stopped for a traffic ticket, could end up dead. And stop pushing me because I'm close to the edge. Man, I might go crazy. Y'all think y'all got that, Memphis? You can run the beat. Let's do this. Hey, hey. I love y'all a little more on college. Y'all beautiful. Help we do it like. Help we do it like. Help me do it like one, eight, two, eight, one, two, three, let's go. Hold up, look, cause every day I work a nine to five just to see another white man dream come true. Ay, and I'm tired of the boot, it's full of boot. Yo, there's a vibe for me and you. 
Hey, you can have all the degrees in the world, but to them you're still a with a suit on, uh, and they can never understand, cause they never being judged by the color of their skin tone. Look, man, stop, but you sound like another pulling out the race car. But tell me how you watch the new lady? Police brutality still at law. Damn, and killing our hopes, they killing our dreams. Then they tell us how the situation could have been avoided. But we gotta do better ourselves. Why we killing each other over some funky ass Jordans? But the four five bear is so fresh though. Hey, I can't even lie, uh. The media got all my people brainwashed. Yeah, we gotta open up our eyes. Check me out. So if I get gunned down, would you still saying about me after the hashtag go away? Look, I wanna see it better for my offspring. Man, it's a battle every day, but this is what I pray. Look, hey, hey. So I get on my knees every night. Hey, asking God, can you help me? Hey, look. Cause we 21st century slaves I guess some things they gon' never change Dr. King gotta be rolling over And his brain medicine can't, can't be light Nah, can't be light Nah, can't be I work a 9 to 5 just to stay alive But I barely make enough just to keep on my life Just to keep on my life Hey, if I can stop for a traffic ticket Can end up dead And stop pushing me because I'm close to the edge Man, I might go crazy Look, hey, my mind open just like a 7-Eleven they give us hell on earth, we in the last days I pray that I can make it in the heaven, check me out We guilty until proven innocent So you know what that means, we got no chance They make a mockery of President Obama, dawg What you think they about to do to your black ass up the river? So long, bye-bye, do not pass, go With no kid out of jail, free car It's not for certain my intelligence I see the writings on the wall, boy, I ain't a retard They talk down on hip-hop Try to minimize the way it had an impact But at the company, tell the show what they ask you to do Tyrone, can you go up there? Do a rap? Nah. I'm tired of tap dancing over issues that been weighing on myself. They say I got a lot of black friends, I can't be racist, but color. My clothes on, clothes on, cut, can't cuss. Nothing change. Welcome into my reality. And like we living in a Mortal Kombat. Like on the Twitter, see another fatality. Ooh, but you lose. Hey, hey, hey. So I get on my knees every night. Hey. Asking God, can you help me? Hey. Ay, because we 21st century slaves, I guess some things they gon' never change. One, two, three, both says can't be like. Nah, can't be like. Nah, can't be. I work a nine to five just to stay alive, but I barely make enough just to keep on my life. How many of y'all can sing in here? You fit to? Gonna try it. Would you bop it? I like you. Hold up. Oh man, I might go crazy. Hey, oh man, I might go crazy. Hey, man, I might go. I mean, I might go crazy. Hey, I mean, I might go crazy. Come in, I might go. Y'all got that? Hold up, hold up. Say, I mean, I might go crazy. Hey, I mean, I might go crazy. Memphis, let me hear you say. Say, I mean, I might go crazy. Hey, I mean, I might go crazy. Memphis to the sea. And so I get on my knees every night Asking God, can you help? Hold up, hold up Memphis, become we 21st century slaves I guess some things ain't gonna never change That's the king gotta be rolling over His great man, can't be like Nah, can't be like Oh, nah, can't be I work a 9 to 5 just to stay alive But I really make enough just to keep on my lights Hey, just to keep on my lights Hey, if I can stop for a traffic ticket, can end up dead And stop pushing me, because I'm close to the end Man, I might, man, cut that song Nah
I really didn't need no class. I just needed to stop because I'm so tired. I got one more song. Who, somebody asked a question while I was back there. And it was talking about being overlooked and what I got to do. Is that brother still here or he gone now? My dog, like for real. So I want you to know. And I don't say any of this to be braggadocious. Like, I've been to the Grammys. I was a Grammy consideree last year. I did a billboard chart with this lady right here by myself. The key to it all, though, nothing matters. Because the industry just wants to know what's next. Literally. They don't care. The key to it all is figuring out what you want to do. So whatever goal you have, do that. Erase it. Make a new one. Don't worry about these people. Okay, find your 1,000 fans. Then watch them come to you. I ain't there yet, my dog. But I'm going to get there, and I'm going to die trying. That's why I say it's driven right here. So don't worry about all that. Just focus on you, what you want to do. If not, it'll drive you crazy. I used to go crazy. Seriously. She used to be like, hey, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, dog? Like, it's because I'm like, I'm doing this, but what's, not, what's the problem? Forget all of that. If it come, it come. If it don't, it don't. If you want to do music, then do music. Everything else take care of itself. Okay. What am I finna do? No. Okay, cool. I got this next song, and I'm finna get off this stage before I pass out in this hoodie. So the name of this song is called No. And literally, bro, I wrote this song when I stayed over there in Kirby Parkway, right across the street from Swanky's. I wrote this record because nobody would listen to me. So I turned that negative energy into a record that I've gotten placed in TV all over the world. Seriously. So the song is called No. Once I scream out no, I just need y'all to say it back. So it just go like this. We'll just keep screaming now. No. Oh, 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 oh. Hey. Oh, will Memphis sing to him? Hey. Hey, 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 we'll miss his same tune. Hey, 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 just man, DJ, we'll just keep screaming out. Hey, 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 it goes one, two, one, two, three, let's go. Man, sign him up, dog. Sign, get his information. Hey, hey, look, hey, and we driven, we driven, we driven. We driven by music, by music, by music. Okay, okay, it goes. Negative people everywhere must be a disease. Sometimes I sit and wonder, is this shit for me? Hey, then I snap out of it because I know I'm real. Uh, I'ma make it with or without a record deal. And this one's going out to all my uh. I promise I ain't stopping till we all make it. Hey, figures, I'm young, but this nine to five got me feeling old. Hey, just some bad hands, but we'll never ever fall. Memphis sang to him, no? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, uh, oh, uh, never give it in, cause I was born cut, no, uh, 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 I'ma make it right, cause I was born to fight, hey, listen, hey, this one here is for my team, treat your goals like Twitter, yeah, you should follow your dream, oh, uh, yeah, hey, I started taking my own advice, uh, obsessed with being successful, that's my only vice, had to switch the flow up, cause I ain't the same dude that I was two years ago, they told me I couldn't make it, but look at me now Knockin' down all the doors, yeah uh, And I ain't going back, hitter Coaching my team, Bill Belichick, hitter I follow my dreams, I follow my dreams You can stop me now, I told you my hitter Woo! I get it, I get it, they do not want me to make it Every way that I went, I kept hearing no So I had to go out and take it Look, my mama, my brother, my niece, and my girl That's all that mattered to me So if you ain't talking about money, then uh Stop talking to me, that's real talk Hey, okay, that real, my hitter and I walk that walk and I talk that talk, that's trill, my head. Told them what's up, I tell Jordan. Cause this is how we do it. Haters still give me fuel, cause I'm tripping. Bye, mute. Now get your hands up. Get your hands up. Get your hands up. 
Get your hands up. And if you from the not no one, then make some noise. Hold up, we'll just keep screaming now. Never give it in. We'll just keep screaming now. Last part. Hey, hey, look, check me out. All I ever wanted to do is make my family proud. Yeah. Closed mouths don't get fed, so I'm speaking loud. Yeah. My brother, my father figure, I do this for him. I do. So when we own all my business, we'll be read through him. Let's go. Memphis, make some noise for yourself, please. That was a good amount of time, Shay, because I could not make it through the rest of that song. All right, so we're going to do this real quick. So back to my guy's point. So as an independent artist, no label, everything is funded by us. Like literally, my manager think I'm at work right now, but I'm not. I'm here because this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And if I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure out how to get back to this. So what I need from y'all is to pull out your cell phone if you have one. And I saw like six of y'all with it. So what I need you to do is text this number. And you can say anything to the text. You'd be like, tight. Work on your cardio, my G. Or you'd be like, Tyke, you super bumping. I just need you to text this number, 901-295-3058. Once again, 901-295-3058. So what I do in this driven group, I text y'all, let you know, hey, my dog, I got a show here. If you can come out and make it, if you can't, that's fine. It don't matter. But I want you to know, and the best way to get to you is your phone. Make some noise for Ina again, please. Make some noise for yourself. And then I'm gone. I don't know how we're ending this, Ina. I'm finna sit down. I'm tired. Thank all of you for coming out. You know who I want to shout out before you all go is DJ King on Turntables 1 and 2. One of the hottest up-and-coming DJs in the city of Memphis. You all follow him is DJ King KV. I, no, DJ KVNG, right? There we go, there we go. Follow my boy. Thank you all for coming out. My friends, real friends, better than your friends. That's how we keep pop, popping out that bend. No foes, real friends, we ain't even gotta pretend. Yeah. Get bands, get bands, spinning all on my friends. Pull me up, pull me up, pull me up. Never let me down. Never let me down. Pull me up, pull me up, pull me up. Never let me drown. Friends, better than your friends, yeah. That's how we keep popping out that binge, yeah. For friends, well, friends, better than your friends, yeah. SMS them, they know all my business. 